Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. G'day listeners, welcome to the podcast. Hang on, I can hear... (laughs) That was my worst helicopter impression ever, Coxie. I thought it was fantastic. (laughs) We're just, our guest has just choppered in for today's episode, which will mean nothing to you listening to this podcast episode until you get past our intro and and have a listen to another Real Tradie Guys podcast episode with Oliver Fullerton from Select Maintenance, who, just a a disclaimer here, he does not own a helicopter and he doesn't charge accordingly. (laughs) It's just become a bit of a joke, Coxie. It's very much, uh, it's been a trade desk thing. We have drinks on a Friday afternoon and it started as a friendly rivalry between Mitch, g'day Mitch if you're listening, and Ollie, g'day Ollie. A painter and and a maintenance guy. Yeah, they're they're (laughs) battling for who's got the biggest helicopter and doesn't Mitch have a gold-plated garage now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's Well, he uses gold paint to paint the garage floor, I think. That's what it is. Which is where he parks the Ferrari and (laughs) it's gotten a bit ridiculous actually. Well, it's good fun. If you're not a member of the Trade Desk, you know how to find us. And we have a lot of fun on our Friday afternoon drinks. Yes. Now, uh, we love our Real Tradie episodes, Real Tradie guys, Real Tradie wives. They're not mm. all wives, though. But anyway, we need some more ladies. If you're a, if you're a tradie wife or a tradie lady, either either or both at the same time, <laughs> hit us up. Um, we'd love to hear from you because there's lots of, there's lots of tradie wives sort of lurking in the mm. shadows out there in tradies in business land that don't necessarily think they have anything to share, uh, don't think that anyone else is having the same issues or stresses as them, and that is so not true. Uh, I know you know this, Nicole, yes. but just from a guy's perspective, um, I see this with our members and our clients, and and. I would love to hear from some more tradie wives. Uh, and look, it's not scary getting on the podcast. You don't have to be a professional speaker or anything like that. Um, we're reasonably gentle, not like our coaching sessions. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd love to hear from some tradie wives and, and have you on the show and just get you to share your story, even if that's about how the heck you've managed to balance raising five kids with supporting your, your hubby in his business and doing the book work and and hating life because you actually wanted to be a ballet dancer or something. Um, so, yeah, uh, share your story with us. But today is all about Ollie. It's a real tradie guy and it's a bit blokey. Uh, but interesting chat with Ollie today, Coxie. It was an interesting chat and it kind of went to a few places that I didn't think it was going to go to. We've spoken about this on the podcast before. You get a bit of a mental image, I suppose, of where you think an episode might go, particularly if you have some background with um, the person you're speaking with, which we do with Ollie. And it didn't go anywhere where I thought it was going to go. It was really interesting. So if you have seen Ollie lurking about in one of our groups, you'll really enjoy this episode. I think you'll be mm. surprised by some of the things you hear. Yeah. And I love how he's, um, oh, wow, the the catchphrase these days is pivot. Yes. Uh, I think Ollie's been been pretty good at the pivot 
yeah. over his lifetime. So, yeah, great chat with Ollie, and uh, we hope you enjoy another Real Trady Guys episode. Enjoy the show. So we're joined by Mr. Oliver Fullerton, take two, just so the listeners know that uh, we're having a few issues this morning. <laughs> the list has grown longer, so we've had phone calls about allergies, electricians with flat batteries, um, devices not working, microphones not talking to the computer. This is going to be a rocking episode, listeners, I can feel it. Does anybody know somebody that's good at maintenance? We could get a few of these issues fixed. Oh, Ollie's <laughs> coming with the Chuck Norris. He's pulled a TIB Chucky Norris segue and a plug for his business in the process, being a marketing oh, extraordinaire that he is. Right? <laughs> now, you would think if he was really good at maintenance, we wouldn't be having these problems in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Snap, yeah. snap. If, if you can't fix it with a hammer, it can't be fixed. Seriously. So true. That's right. There's yeah. only one yeah. tool required. <laughs> Yeah, and that is yeah. Oliver at Select Maintenance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give him a call for all your maintenance needs. All right, so, Ollie, you're on sunny Gold Coast, mate. Um, you've got a few things going on currently, and I suspect you've had a few things going on just generally in life, mate. This is a real tradie story, a real tradie guys episode. Why don't you tell us about Ollie, the man, the legend, the real man. <laughs> Go. <laughs> the champion. <laughs> Right, what do you want to know? Quick background? So yeah. it all started with your mum. Right. Okay, started with my mum uh, and probably went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> now, honestly, left school and uh, a year 10, didn't want to uh, go any further as a lot of young blokes don't. Wanted a trade, wanted to be a mechanic. Uh, tried that, couldn't find an apprenticeship uh, as a mechanic. So... Uh, just before I was heading back to school for year 11, uh, I got offered a apprenticeship painting cars in a panel shop. So I took it, uh, knew nothing about the job, hadn't even entered my head, but took it, did it. So I did that for 10 years and then got offered, moved to Queensland. So I'm originally from the Blue Mountains, uh, west of Sydney. Nice. Uh, moved to Queensland. Uh, and then stayed in that trade for a little while uh, before I got offered a position doing some handyman work. And same deal, a little bit over the trade of painting cars. It's sort of heading south a little bit, hard work. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, thought, you know, try something different. Uh, did that for about 12 months and then changed employers and stayed in the construction industry. And then that employer offered me an adult apprenticeship. Uh, so, yeah, so I did that and become a carpenter. And here I am now with, with my own maintenance sort of business. So that's sort of what that business sort of specialised in was carpentry and maintenance. So uh, mm. I sort of got put on to doing a lot of the little jobs or ollie jobs as they used to call it back then in, <laughs> at, that, at that place. And uh, so it's sort of become my little little specialty, that sort of stuff. So when I decided that it was time to move on and give me own thing a try, we uh, that's what I sort of did. So hence Slack Maintenance was born and, yeah, that's what we do. Just little odd jobs, handyman work and no real like a big job for us is you know, a $5,000 sort of price bracket job. That's a big job. Mm. 
Mm. So yeah, and, and you've got a, a team member working with you as well, Ollie. Uh, we have two staff. There you go. So, yeah, so we've got a. So last year, I decided it was time to sort of stop being the the sole operator, the sole everything in the business. And if you're going to grow a business, that you really needed help to do it. So, uh, so yeah, so I put on put on a uh, a handyman last year, and then we ran into a heap of work. So two months after I put him on, I put on another carpenter. Uh, and both of those guys are still with me now. So, mm. yeah, I like that. I ran into a heap of work. It's kind of like it perpetuates this myth that business is a bunch of luck. Yeah, it does, but it's not real. I mean, it was you know, it it was all existing client work, and it just happened to be at the right time that he gave me a heap of work that I I wouldn't have been able to do it by myself. You know, mm-hmm. in the time frame that I so I needed staff regardless. So mm. it was, uh, yeah, it was a good time and sort of just kicked me into into gear a bit. <laughs> mm. I like it. Yeah. I yeah. love so, I love the uh, the line I heard about this recently that luck is the the confluence or intersection of uh, preparation and opportunity. And yep, I see a lot of people like you, Ollie, that either knowingly or, or accidentally perhaps have prepared themselves for when an opportunity goes past and they're actually able to grab it and that makes for a lot of lucky people in, in the world. So would yeah, you say that's that's happened for you at all, mate? Yeah, I, I don't believe in luck really too much. I think everyone makes their own. Once upon a time I used to believe in luck and you'd always think, you know, oh, that person's lucky, this person's lucky, whatever. But, yeah, you learn that life's about making your own luck. Absolutely, mate. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no luck. You've just got to, if you want something, you just got to go and get it. Simple as how, that. How did you find, um, so you, just going back to you're talking about, I guess, your entry into the trades, um, not being able to get an apprenticeship. How was that for you? Uh, when I left, when, back at the school days, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was hard work. I mean, that was... You know, they say it's hard now to get an apprenticeship, but, you know, back in those days, you pretty much had had to get an indentured apprenticeship for it to really mean anything. And I think apprenticeships now, they're, they're just, they're not what they used to be anymore. Uh, you know, with these sort of labour hire school places and stuff like that, they sort of, you know, they have all these apprentices and they swap them around between employers and stuff like that. And I just don't, the apprentice isn't getting what you used to get out of an indentured, like an indentured apprenticeship was a real commitment between yourself and the employer, mm. you know, for both of you. But, uh, yeah, for me it was it was hard, you know. Like I I just, all through high school, all I wanted to do was be a mechanic and sort of that was my dream to be a mechanic and I didn't care whether it was a diesel mechanic, automotive mechanic, working on trucks, cars, buses, forklifts. I didn't really care. I just wanted to work on vehicles mm. and uh so for all of the last year of high school i was just applying 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 for any apprenticeship that i saw whether it was the little mechanic shop or a you know council apprenticeship or whatever you know like everything i saw didn't have to be near home because i was in the upper end of the blue mountain so i was miles from back in those days miles from everywhere yeah, yeah. and uh so it, it was it was hard work and then of course you know my parents 
I'm, I'm the eldest of three. Uh, so, you know, you get the, the rules laid out for you being the eldest. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and you should so, know better anyway, mate. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it was, uh, you know, you weren't going to leave school unless you had an apprenticeship. Mm. Simple yeah. as that. You had to have an apprenticeship or back to year 11 or 12. Mm. So my main goal was just getting an apprenticeship. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I was literally a week out of going back to school when a my mate's girlfriend's neighbour, you know, sort of thing, said, yeah. oh, I heard you're looking for an apprenticeship and he was the leading panel beater at this place and he said, oh, I heard you're looking for an apprenticeship. We've got one going. I went, oh, what is it? And he's like, painting, painting cars, spray painter. And I went, oh. Never thought about that. And he said, well, if you want to come down to the workshop on Monday morning. It's just so, the way things were done, isn't it? If you school. want to turn up here, yeah. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. I, I walked into that place on the Monday morning, 8 o'clock, walked in the front door, just walked straight into the workshop and found him. And he looked at me and went, oh, I'm glad you're here. He, <laughs> he, pointed, he pointed out the back and he said, go and, go and see that guy out there. Troy's his name and uh, ask him if he's got anything you can do. And that was it. I worked for a week there before I ever met the boss. <laughs> Dead set. Dead set. Dead set. I didn't even meet the boss. I was there for a week before I'd even met the boss. And it was owned by two brothers back then. And, uh, yeah, I spent a week in that workshop before I ever met them. And then they just, one of them just come down, you know, the, the following Monday morning with some paperwork and said, here, sign here. That was it. That was, that was my indentureship. Wow. So, yeah, and then, you know, a month later I'm down at college starting doing me one day one day a week, I think it was back then. And can we, can we share what decade this was, Ollie? Was it the 70s that you were doing? <laughs> yeah. Good one, it was. Good one. <laughs> I was going to say too, mate, maybe, and I want to ask you about, um, you know, you said you basically spent 12 months just applying, applying, applying. Perhaps you shouldn't have been putting your own photo on the application, mate. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. It would have been. I probably would have needed like a Tom Cruise photo or a, <laughs> Brad Pitt, maybe in those days, maybe that might have helped. I probably wasn't old enough for you to put my photo on there, but anyway. Yeah, no, know. no. <laughs> but what do you think it was, yeah, so, mate? Like, like that twelve months. How come it was so hard to get an apprenticeship when you were looking? Surely there must have been some around, or, or what do you think was going on? There was certainly some around. I think there was. I think it was just the same problem as you have now. There's X amount of jobs, and there's X amount of people that need them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's as simple as that, and. You know, I remember, I remember even outside of that, you know, my, one of my other dreams, which I'll never fulfill now and probably well gone anyway, I don't really want it, was to be a firefighter. Oh, wow. But, but well, you got to, the guns for it, mate. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, uh, that's one job in New South Wales that's really, really hard. Like Ooh, they'll, yeah. put out a, they'll put out a recruitment drive and they might have, they might have, you know, 300 positions New South Wales wide open and they'll get like 10,000 applications yep. for it, yep. you know, and it's just, you, you don't, I, I applied twice for that and never even got phone calls, yep. nothing, you know. Wow. And I mean, back in those days, you when you applied for those jobs, you literally wrote out a letter and posted it. Yeah. With the applic, you know, because the, the ad was in the newspaper and it had, please send your resume to PO box, blah, 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 blah. You know, like that's yeah. how you applied for jobs. No, 
totally. email or internet or anything like that. No You're really that showing your age now. <laughs> Back when people Fair wrote enough. letters, mate. Jeez. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You, you had a resume. You knocked, you you walked into a mechanic shop and you walked into the office and you threw your resume down in front of them. Mm. And said, have you got any apprenticeships going? Yeah. Mm. Nowadays they won't even it. take one if you walk in somewhere. They won't take your no. resume. So after no, no, yeah, that's right. And But, you know... I think kids these days are they're just, you know, they'd ra- rather than getting up off their ass and going and walking around to say all the construction sites, it's just too easy for them to sit there and wait for a job to roll around on Facebook mm-hmm. and then go, oh, you know, or put an ad on Facebook, I'm looking for an apprenticeship. I mean, that works too, but, you know, you've got you to gotta show some effort. And I'd employ somebody that turned up on my building site with a tool belt on and a resume in their hand would almost get a trial right there and then, whether I, was, whether I was even looking. Yeah. I'm interested to delve into this a little bit because I, like you, feel that apprenticeships have gone backwards and yeah. our poor kids aren't coming out with the skill set that they really require to be successful in their own businesses later on because they're all going to go off and be subcontractors or of course they are. move on at some point. And my point is, and I see it, um, through the judging with the HIA and you're talking to the apprentices there and they've had six employers in three years yep. and, yeah. you know, they're really confused and they're feeling quite unsure. They know they've got some good skills but they're not sure if they're being taught enough or I see it when we employ people and, and you know, yep. these, I'll call them kids again because I am old but I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> sort of in their 20s, they don't have the skill set that somebody like you has or yep. that the builder has with those finer points of the trade because they're just not being taught that or... No. They're being sent out with a framing gang and all they do for all of their apprenticeship is framing and 100%. yet somebody still signs them off and says that they're a carpenter. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And then they, they, you know, and for me, I then put the ad in the paper for a carpenter and you get a carpenter turn up and part of the trials go and hang this door. Yeah. And they've got no idea. They can't check in a latch. They can't, you know, check in hinges. They can't cut and fit arc they can't scribe a skirting board because you know they did it for two days at college in their third year yeah you know to tick some boxes but on site every day they haven't done it because yeah like you say they've all they've done is framing Mm. or then you you get the other ones that the form workers concrete form workers i mean they're carpenters yeah by the book they've got a certificate three in carpentry I can give you the heads up that that's changing. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I, I think it needs to. I think it, it needs to for for the or just make it a separate trade. I believe that's the the change that's coming. Yeah, it, you know because it's uh, you know, no disrespect to them, and they're very good at what they do. And if that's what they all they want to do, then that's great. But if they then want to step over into you know, residential side or, you know, mm. whether it is framing or anything, it's uh, mm. yeah, it's pretty hard to make that step. It's exactly right. By the same token, it's a disservice to them to come out and think that they're carpenters without the skill set that they need. Mm. Yeah, you know, a couple of days in yeah. college working on something doesn't mean that you no. have the skill set to do it on oh, the job. No, you've got to do it every single day. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, um, it gets into that whole specialisation versus... Um, general practitioner that exists in every industry, really. I've seen it through sales, marketing, um, mm. accounting and finance, financial planning, all the all the fields that I've been in over the last 20 plus years. And 
it's interesting that you have a maintenance business, Ollie, because I would look at you and think, well, you're a generalist, right? Yep. Um, and a lot of people argue that, well, we need specialists and specialization is better. Niching is better. Um, my personal opinion, listeners, and, and this is obviously not a, a uh, you know, categoric, this is correct, but my opinion is that we're losing a lot of that generalist capability amongst the trades and certainly just in the human race in general, I think, you know, there's, there's people that can't even drive a manual car, which whatever, if you want to drive an auto, that's fine. But it's the loss of those broad skills that I think affects the way people work as employees and whether they can run a business, whether they can learn new things. Do you find that's true for you, mate, with the people you see through the business and the other trades that you work with, you know, maybe being hamstrung by the fact they can't figure other things out? Yeah, totally, totally. Like, uh, you know, just just employing staff again in the last, you know, six months, eight months sort of thing, whatever it's been, is, you know, sort of made me realise how broad my skills actually really are. You know, I've sort of just gone along doing what I do every day thinking, you know, yeah, I don't know much about this or don't know much about that. But now, now that I've got other people to compare it to, Mm. it's like, wow, I actually do know a fair bit about this Mm. because I'm now teaching them who, you know, they're carpenters, Mm. but I'm teaching them things. So Mm. sometimes I scratch my head and think, how come you don't know that? (laughs) It's, you know, they've just never been exposed to it. That's right. You know, so, so yeah, I, I think you're right. There, you know, there's certainly, I guess, from a business perspective, it's, uh, it's good to specialise because you can really nail down on, you know, I think you can have your systems in place for just doing one thing and you can probably get a good flow. Mm. Uh, one problem with it I, I see is... Uh, if the work dries up for that one thing, mm. then your business stops. Mm. So whereas with what we do, mm. uh, yeah, we go through runs of things. Like, you know, for the last few weeks, we just seen every phone call has been doors, 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 new front doors, new back doors. We've done two houses which have been full doors all throughout houses. Uh every phone call, and then that'll just stop and then we'll get a heap of patch and paint type work or, you know, a few little cabinet type work. And it just sort of runs in stages, but we never sort of dry up completely, mm. you know, which is why I've sort of kept it a bit wider in the, uh, in the scope. So with that that broader maybe capability or it's it to me it seems often more like a willingness to have a go at figuring something out you know it's it's if you're not overly specialized then you i think people tend to have that attitude of okay well i haven't done that before and i've done a bunch of other stuff that i've never done before so i reckon i could probably work it out have you found that carry over to business ownership at all ollie uh yeah, it had to. <laughs> it had to. Uh, and that's probably where I'm at now in the business uh, with having staff and, yeah, now just having to look at all the running of the business type stuff that, 
I've never had to sort of, do, even when you, you know, what do you say, in brackets, work for yourself as a subcontractor or whatever, you, you're not really, I mean, it's, it's really just a job uh, and you're just keeping yourself in a job. But when you start getting things like staff and, you know, new vans and you've got a business premises and all this other stuff, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I've got to really concentrate on the business side of things to keep all this stuff, A, paid for, you got to keep paying your staff, so you got to keep work coming in. So you, you know, diving into marketing and you know other avenues to try and bring work in, looking after clients. You, you know, babysit staff sometimes. You got to, you know, <laughs> make sure the clients are happy with the staff that you sent there. And you know, there's a whole heap of, yeah, just a whole heap of other stuff that you got to, yeah, just dive into and you've never done before. Things, you know, going just going to sit down with an accountant is mm. you know you probably never really do even working for yourself you as a as a subby you you sort of just you know you send in your myb file or your receipts and that's it and you get your taxing back of how much you got to pay the government you know and that's it but when you start growing and everything you got to start looking at other ways to to manage your business a bit and yeah, it requires going in and having that boring conversation with your accountant that <laughs> you're sitting there going, what the hell is this bloke even talking about? Mm. <laughs> Don't know, worry. Like, if you talk but, about how to hang a door, he'll be scratching his head. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's, that's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. You know? And, and yeah, there's, there is a heap. And that's why we're busy because there is a heap of people out there that don't, yeah. don't know what we do. So, mm. you know, and to them, it's, to them, it's six door, uh, six screws into a hinge, mm-hmm. and then you screw the hinge to a door frame, and that's it. The door's hung. You know, it's what fifteen minutes work. You know, mm-hmm. but the reality is, is like accounting or anything, any other business. There's way more to it than that. Of course, there is. Yep. Was it a big transition for you, Ollie, to go from just looking after yourself and then taking on the team and setting some of these business systems in place that you're talking about? Uh, yeah, I think like it's a work in progress mm-hmm. as it still is like, you know, I think it's just you're always you're always halfway doing through something. I've got stuff everywhere in the office that you've got, <laughs> you know, things that you're always constantly trying to think of things to to just make it, you know, smoother for everyone, you know, and you want to keep your staff happy as well. So I want to make it as easy for them as well. So. Yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah. There's always always something to do, mm. always something changing. Ollie, what do you like most about business, mate? Uh, that's a good question, Ross. I don't know. I I think it's for me. It's probably just being responsible for me to myself. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I I guess. Even at a very young age, I actually always wanted to work for myself and have my own business. And then eventually the opportunity arose for that to happen. And I guess it was just more of being being in control of my own future. And you can get that working for someone as well uh, to a degree, you know, just with your financial side of things and home life and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, just just being in control of your own your own destiny i guess 
Mm. So, mate, how has reality lived up to the expectations? You know the <laughs> meme, like, uh, you know, what my mum thinks I do, what really happens. What's reality like compared to what you thought it was going to be? Ah, uh, freaking hard. Mm. So I guess as an employee, you look at your boss and you go, geez, look at all the money this bloke's making. <laughs> he walks into the office at nine o'clock, he has a coffee, he tells us what to go and do, and then he goes home and at two o'clock and has a beer. How good's this? The, re- <laughs> the reality is it's way much further past that than everyone thinks. Mm. So, so, so the first thing is he's probably actually not making that much money, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the second thing is is he's probably taking calls calls at five in the morning, and still up at ten o'clock at night on the computer at home, you know, doing stuff, whatever it is. So that's yeah, there's yeah, it's a lot further from what you think it is, but you know, I guess. It still does have its advantages. Business you know, ownership. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Business ownership certainly has its advantages. Uh, like I said, the buck stops with you, whether it's good or bad. Uh, and you know, you you do have a little bit of freedom here and there, depending on how you set your business up. So, you know, like take for this afternoon, me, me and my wife are going to shoot off this afternoon, and. Uh, head away camping with the camper. So we're going to shoot off at about one o'clock today. So, you know, when you're working for someone, you don't you don't sort of get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I just try and plan our business and I can plan our work and plan the guys that allows me that they know what they're doing on the day I want to leave early. So I don't have to worry about them. I can just lock the factory up and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, taking longer holidays is going to be a little bit different. When you when you don't have staff, that can be a bit easier. You can just go, right, I'm not going to book any work in for that week and mm. you take a week off and you just close the door and it is what it is. You know, you make up for it when you get back or before you go. With staff, that's going to be a little bit more challenging because they're going to have to know exactly what they're doing for a whole week. So... <laughs> Anyway, we'll cross that bridge whenever we get to it. <laughs> when do you plan As, for it? Yeah, well, we're not planning for any big trips. Most of our big trips are always overseas. So with the whole uh, COVID, we won't be doing any overseas trips for, I think, for a couple of years. So you got a bit of time up your sleeve. I, I'm yeah, interested yeah. then, Ollie, when you reflect over your business journey so far, what do you wish you knew a whole lot longer ago then you found it out you know there's always those those one or two nuggets that we find out deep into our journey and we look back and we think god i wish i'd have known that or i wish i had done that earlier in my business journey it will make my life so much easier or i now understand xyz uh, lots of things <laughs> lots of things everything i know now i wish i had have put in place back when I first left my employer, which was 2011. So I set the business up in 2008, did it part-time. So I was working weekends, you know, trying to kickstart the whole thing. Uh, And then 2011, mid-2011, I uh, did the jump and jumped over and, you know, did what everybody does. You just grab your tools and your vehicle and 
a carbon copy invoice book and <laughs> start going and doing jobs. That's how you sort of do things. But reality is I probably should have searched for groups like tradies in business and stuff like that early mm. and got, you know, I think learn about finance, learn about money, learn how to charge. I think the biggest problem is, is you know, people go, well, my boss used to charge X amount an hour, so that's what I'm going to charge. Yes. But the reality is, is you need to sit down and work out what it costs you to run a business and what you need out of the business and how many hours you're really going to work a week and all of that sort of stuff. Like I've worked at, we, we pretty much average five to six billable hours a day, mm-hmm. you know. So when you're, you've got to work, sit down and work out what you need to cover that, even though you're paying your staff eight hours a day. Mm. So it's... Yeah, yeah. I guess for me, it's all of that sort of stuff that I wish I had of uh, mm-hmm. had of known years ago, and I'd be in a way better spot than what I am now. Ollie, what about the headspace? The, the difference in mindset between that employee working for someone else, you know, the boss who rolls in with a coffee and buggers off home at two o'clock, and you're there doing all the hard work, making him all the money to where you sit now in the fancy chair with the helicopter parked out the back. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) How's how's the headspace changed for you? Uh, Yeah, heaps. I mean, now I've got a chopper pilot to pay. (laughs) Steel bill must be killing you, mate. Seriously, you know, that's a lot of patch and paints. That's a lot of that's a lot of fists in plasterboard holes, a lot of doors. Right? So you've really got to be in a pretty big, big mind space for that. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I think it's just like for me at the start, it was just oh now I'm working for myself. So there wasn't uh, a huge big mindset change. I think it was. It, in fact, it probably got a little bit worse because you know when i was working for someone i was the sort of guy you know you turned up early and you left when you had to leave sort of thing and then when i started working for myself it was like oh, i'm the boss now i'll just start at 8 30 today or i'll yeah. do this or you know when you don't have staff or any sort of sometimes other motivation you're just like oh i've got nothing booked in tomorrow so i'll just do this job tomorrow instead Mm. you know and rather than just getting in and getting it done and mm. i sort of fell into that a little bit uh for me my mindset changed when i decided to go and do my certificate for in building and construction mm-hmm. and i don't know why i didn't really want to get my builder's license but i thought you know maybe it's time to just sort of get a bit more further education so Enrolled in that in 2017 with Master Builders and got halfway through that and started doing, you know, things like estimating modules and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, I'm doing a few things wrong here. Because, mm. you know, you're sitting in a classroom with basically a lot of other, you know, uh, guys that are doing it. They're all 
generally tradies, they're all qualified, but most of them are subbies just working for other builders or whatever, you know. And whereas I sort of considered myself to have a business, so I wasn't working for builders or doing regular hours, I was working for private clients. And uh, I was sitting there going through this going, yeah, what am I doing wrong here? I've, I've been, all this time I've been running this business wrong. And that was probably my biggest change then was I sort of sat and went, there's got to be help out there for people like me who is just a tradie and haven't had any experience in quoting, estimating, scheduling work, haven't had anybody train me into any of that sort of stuff. Uh, I just sort of jumped into the business and started doing it myself. I thought, you know, there's got to be other tradies out there that are in the same boat, running the business the same as me and, mm. have, you know, exactly the same as me. So I guess that's what started my journey then was I just one night after class I went home and punched into Facebook, you know, because on Facebook there's groups for everything. I mean, mm. you could have the weirdest bloody interest, you know, like <laughs> what are you – Whatever the weirdest. What are some of yours, Ollie? <laughs> no, I know was. There's no, a rabbit no. hole. I'm a bit scared yeah, to go yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to go down <laughs> Let's there. Let's keep mate. it a family not, show, mate. We won't keep that. We, but, you know, like there's whatever the weirdest thing you could think of, there'll be a group for it and mm. there'll be 150 other weird-ass people like you Yeah. Uh, out there for it. So I went home, punched in Facebook, you know, help for tradies or tradie help groups or whatever it was and, you know, a few groups came up, not yours actually, by the way. But anyway. <laughs> How long ago was this, mate? 2017. Uh, yeah, about 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah, uh, we, we weren't running, right? We had not yet uh, been the, birthed. Oh, there you go. Not yeah. the group, anyway. No, we were the group. here. But no, not the group. Podcast's yeah. been going for longer than that. Yeah, the podcast, yeah, yeah. So, so I, uh, so that's, that's really, I guess, where my mindset really started to change. So, I found, I don't know whether I can say the word on this podcast, but of course you can. the host of another podcast <laughs> is really cool to tell, uh, has another group and I joined that group and uh, just my eyes just got opened. Yeah. yeah. G'day, so from Matt, there, if you're listening to ours. Yeah. Hello, Matt. <laughs> we, we, we love Matt. Matt's a good bloke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been on the show, actually. We've, we've, he has. We've and you've been, been on his too. I've listened to both of those. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, no, so, you know, started honestly started listening to Matt's podcast and then joined that group and it just sort of blew my mind, I guess, mm. from there. So then from there, you know, I started, you know, looking at project management systems and all mm. this other stuff and re then I went and redesigned the website and really mm. just started getting motivated. Yep. Uh, and then found your, your, you guys and your podcast and everything else. And, yeah, just sort of that's where the ball just started going in my head, uh, meeting, other, meeting other tradies through those groups. You know, mm -hmm. so Jason, who's, you know, part mm -hmm. of our group and part of that group and mm -hmm. been on here, you know, me and Jason now meet up pretty much every Saturday morning for a coffee and a chat about our business, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and just stuff like that is just awesome, second to none. You know. So, Ollie, you, you said um, getting into one of those groups, like it blew your mind and then you started doing all these other things. What was it about joining the group, though, that was actually um, pivotal in all of that change? Uh, 
finding that, yeah, exactly what I thought. There's other people out there that are pretty much in the same boat as me. Mm. You know, so there's a whole group, you know. There's whole, there's two groups. You know, there's a whole two groups that I know of. There's probably more. Mm. But the two, the two groups that I'm actively involved in is full of tradies that are, we're all in the same boat as me. They're definitely uh, the two best groups, I'd have to say. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, actually. Was, <laughs> yeah, I, I spend probably 80% of my Facebook time is now spent around business groups. Mm. There's know? so much to learn and who would have thought Facebook would be uh, a source of so much knowledge. <laughs> but I think one of the best things something like Facebook has done for tradies in particular is allow us a safe space to talk about what we're going through because trades don't talk. We no. don't share our information to the guy that's working next to us because he might steal it, run with it and do a better job of it. We have yep. a real scarcity mindset typically. Yep. However, in these groups, these big groups, you know, the 1600 now is pretty sure there's close or similar in mats. Yep. There's lots of discussions around, well, I'm going through this. What do you recommend or, or, or what job management system do you use? Or I don't understand this. Have you had any experience in it? And you do feel less alone. You do understand that not everybody's kicking goals like it looks like from the outside they are because we yep. all like to show the highlight reel. So yep. it, they're a great space for, um, I guess, validation and 100%. learning. There's yeah. a lot of power in understanding that you're not alone. You're not the only one going through whatever that trouble is. Yeah, so, I totally agree. So, sorry, um, I guess going back to that whole starting out scenario, Ollie, um, you've, you said, you know, you wish you knew a lot of the things now that you knew then, and that's a pretty standard answer. Um, yeah. But if, if you were... So your, what, 18-year-old self, 17-year-old self turned up on your doorstep now, what advice would you have for the younger Ollie? Back yourself. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I've probably lacked confidence uh, through most of my life in a lot of things that I've done. But... Uh, of late due to certain, you know, measurables and being able to measure that. Uh, now I, yeah, I'm probably a lot smarter than what I've ever thought I was. So hmm. it's, uh, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Just get in and do it and don't give a shit <laughs> about what anyone else thinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? Uh, yeah. If only we yeah. could really uh, set that for our kids, right? If only we could. Like I, I know personally when I think about my five children, none of them are confident the way I would like them to be despite yep. me working very hard as a mum to uh, give them as much confidence as I can. Uh, the world and its pressures takes that away. And wouldn't it be lovely that at 44 I feel more confident, more happy, more content, more of everything than I've ever felt in my life. I wish I had have had that at 20 or 21. <laughs> it would yep. have totally transformed oh. my life. Do you think that's possible totally. though, without the lived experience? No, no, no. I I, th I think you get to that stage from experience and yes, you know, learning the hard way. If it's mm. given to you on a silver platter, and let's face it, you look at a lot of kids these days, uh, that yeah, you don't you don't learn the skills to 
to get to that point because, yeah, you, you get that from experience. It's called mm. life experience. Mm. You know, mm. we had that. We didn't have it when we were 16 because you hadn't lived life. That's by right. the time you get to 40 plus, you know, it's, yeah, you've, you've lived that life. Mm. Now, before we started today's podcast, Warwick did allude to the fact that this select maintenance is not the only thing that you do, Ollie. And I'm intrigued because I know nothing about your other venture. Would you like to share a bit about that with us? Right. So the other venture is uh, the brainstorm of my wife. And uh, it's sort of a part-time hobby business at the moment, but Mm -hmm. we would like to see it grow to be her Mm-hmm. to her business and give her a full-time job because she currently still works full-time uh, mm-hmm. as well as doing our books in select maintenance. But, uh, yeah, essentially we uh, we make and sell dog treats. So I had we're, no idea. We're, yeah, we're, we've, got, uh, we've got two dogs and uh, who obviously my wife likes to spoil. <laughs> <laughs> what sort you of go dogs to are they, Ollie? Okay, we've got a, we've got a Staffy Cross. And we've got a Maltese Shih Tzu. So that's an interesting pair. Two yeah. completely different dogs. Absolutely. Uh, Not really a trade in. <laughs> no. And ironically, the, the Maltese Shih Tzu loves spending time with me. And if I'm <laughs> in the yard working, like oh, you have a look at my Facebook or Instagram yep. and you'll see photos of me building the deck in my backyard with her curled up in the grass between two joists uh, while <laughs> I'm down cute. there with the saws and whatever else. Whereas the Staffy, he'll, as soon as you get a tool out, he's running, he'll go and hide under the bed somewhere. Oh, they're notoriously scaredy uh, dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so, that, so it was born out of, uh, you go to the average supermarket and have a look at where your average dog treats come from. Mm. And... Uh, mm. They pretty much all are imported. Uh, there is some Australian stuff out there, uh, but most of it's imported. And if you do some research into what has to happen to dried meat and all that sort of stuff to come into the country, uh, you would think twice about giving it to your dog. So mm-hmm. we decided that we'd make our own. Uh, so we experimented with a few things and decided chicken was going to be the most cost-effective uh, to make and sell and also the quickest and the dogs love it. So we, uh, we decided, you know, you can, go to, uh, you can go to pet shops and you can buy big, thick chicken tenders, you know, and uh, you can get them everywhere for very cheap price. Where they come from, I've got no idea. But So we decided to do something different. So our chicken that we do, we dehydrate it, but it's super thin. So we we slice it at two, about two mil thick, two and a half mil thick wow. in a slicer and then dehydrate it. So it's just when it comes out, it's just like a like a chip, you know, like a potato chip. Chicken chips. So chicken just, chips. Yeah, chicken chip. That's exactly what it is. So it's <laughs> the size of it. A chicken breast, though, so it's quite large. Uh, so yeah, so we we do that, and it's sort of kicking along, kicking along quite nicely. Actually, that's where we're going this weekend. We're going to go and set up at our first market. Actually, my wife wanted to go and do one of the markets out out in the country. You'd know Rath Downey, so yeah, yeah, we're heading out to Rath Downey. We're going to take. Well, it's going to be chilly, Ollie. 
Yeah, it's going to be very chilly. But that's all right. We did, we did Stanthorpe two weeks ago, so it won't be oh, any you'll chilly. you'll be fine. You're seasoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we do, we make the chicken ourselves completely uh, from scratch mm-hmm. and to the sale side of it. Mm-hmm. And then we have another range of treats which we buy wholesale mm-hmm. and just essentially repackage it and and uh, sell that. But it's all, all Australian as well. So... All of it's Australian. Uh, the chicken we make ourselves, uh, which comes with, you know, there's a lot of things that people don't realise is when you go to some of these markets and you see a dog treat stand or whatever, if they're making their chicken themselves and de- handling any meat products themselves and then reselling it, in Queensland, they're supposed to have safe food, Queensland food approval. For the oh, so like human food. consumption approval. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, for dog treats. That's right. So we we have an inspection every single year. Oh gosh! Uh, where a Safe Food Queensland inspector comes to our home and inspects our procedures, uh, how we handle the meat, how we store it, how we freeze it, what temperature. Everything's got to be recorded. It's dry weight. We we've got to send ten bags off for testing to make sure that it's dehydrated to the correct moisture content level. Uh, Holy moly! At, yeah, so, so if you walk into a place where we sell our chicken dog treats, and this is just for the chicken, uh, the chicken dog treats, you can literally consume it yourself because it's made to human. human I've just worked out how standards. to save money on my grocery bill. I reckon. <laughs> and I, I can actually tell you it actually tastes great <laughs> because it, it literally is just chicken jerky. So if you eat beef jerky, it's the same thing, just chicken. It, it actually tastes really good. And I, as I'm packing it, I'll, I'll be eating it. So, Tradies in Business do not condone, endorse, or support the consumption of animal foods. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> well, we all nibbled on pet food when we were a kid, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, I used to go to kibble. Remember, got a, yeah. good, what were they called? Good O's? Good O's. Oh, good O's. Good O's. Yeah, those, oh, those man, they were tasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Loved them. <laughs> One of the one of the worst dog foods you could give your dog. I bet bone meal and all sorts of weird crap in yeah. those things. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's uh, so that's the other the other business that we that we do. So it's pretty full on. So between running this business, mm. I'll then you know I'll leave here at five o'clock, go home, and I'll have two kilos of chicken that's sitting in the fridge, you know, sort of in a semi sort of started to defrost state, but then I've got a slice pack into a dehydrator, dehydrate, and then goes into containers and then generally Linda will pack it the next day <laughs> in the bags. So, yeah, that's, that sort of happens pretty much most nights and weekends. So, uh, business question, mate. What, yep. what lessons from select maintenance that you've learned, have you been able to apply to the dog food business to speed things up or avoid, you know, the same pitfalls? Yeah. Systems and procedures. So yeah, yeah. everything. <laughs> Thank you, Ollie. Everything, everything happened. And my wife a, a, was great at this because, because of the whole Safe Food Queensland thing, we actually had to have this. So she's got a whole folder on everything that we have to do, how we've got to store the chicken, what temperatures it's got to be at. All of this sort of stuff has to be stored, recorded. So things like uh, 
Sorry, mate. Sorry. I want to know why that's important. Like, why did you pick systems and procedures as as the big learning? Uh, because it literally just does make everything quicker and everything happens the same every time. Mm. So nothing gets missed. Mm. You know, so take, for example, when, we, when we're dehydrating the chicken, we've actually got to, we've got to record its wet weight as it goes into the machine and then we've, we've got to record the wet weight of certain pieces on different shelves in the machine and then we've got to record the, all their dry weights. So rather than me having just a blank bit of paper trying to remember, you know, which piece of chicken I've weighed and all this sort of crap, I had Lyndall make up a, a printout with it exactly where that piece of chicken is in the machine and, and then I just do the same thing every time and just fill in the blanks. So you know? re- And it, it really it just makes it easy and Lyndall, get, Lyndall knows then exactly the information that she needs. Mm. So really what we're talking about is tradie proof systems. That's what it sounds like. Pretty much. Because yep. if you can follow it, mate. <laughs> exactly, mate. Yeah, exactly. If and I you're just a lowly it, chopper pilot. Pr- pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That pretty much sums me up. A door hanger. <laughs> a door hanger. That's it. A door hanger. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, no, yeah, it's pretty full on. You know, it's, it's hard work having, having the two businesses. Oh. You know, like take last night, you know, got home last night. Lyndall didn't get home from work herself till 7 o'clock-ish, something like that. And we spent the next hour and a half packing the car with all the stuff we're going to need for this weekend for the market. Mm. You know, so. But, you know, it's also a camping trip as well. So for we'll get out there this afternoon, we'll set up camp and we'll chill out for a day and a half before we go and do the market. So doesn't sound terrible. And it is part of the, the reward for the sacrifice, I think. That mm. comes with business ownership. Yeah. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. So yeah. true. Yeah. Nobody else is going to go and do it. Like you, you just can't. You just can't start this thing and then expect that it's just going to happen. You know, you've got to put, you got to put the hard work in. So there's no magic pill. Is that what you're saying? There's certainly no magic pill. There's no magic anything. No. You know, like even you know you can join. Right. Okay. So I'm. A member of the trade desk, uh, you can join that. You can get all the resources. You can download them all. You can print them all off. I've got, you know, fifteen keys to running team meetings sitting here on the desk. Right? But if you you can print it all off, but if that doesn't mean you've done it and it's going to no. happen. No, it's uh, it's like, like buying just because it just because it's in the garage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no point buying an exercise bike and saying I'm going to get fit if you don't actually get on the freaking thing. <laughs> but it's just it just doesn't it just doesn't work that way. And yet, that's how um, so many of us approach so many things in life, Ollie. I'm guilty of it. I think we all are yeah. at times. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, everyone is with something. Absolutely, there's something so what- something in your life that you want to do, but you just don't get up and do it and. Unless you do that, it's just not going to happen. Is there an antidote to that or, or a, a way to – because we're all guilty of that. We buy the exercise bike and it gathers cobwebs. Um, is there a way to overcome that for business owners especially? I don't know whether there's a way to overcome. I think it's just in your mindset. You've just got to really want it. 
it's the same as giving up smoking. Mm. You know, if you're a smoker, I don't know whether anyone is, is a smoker or wants to give up smoking or whatever, but I'm an ex-smoker, my wife's an ex-smoker. Uh, you've just got to want to do it. Mm. If you don't want to give up, then you're never, ever going to. So you, you, can, you can try, you can do this, but if in the back of your mind you don't really want to, then you're probably never going to. Mm. So you've just, and same with anything, you've just really got to want to do it enough that your body will just do it because your mind's selling you to. Mm. Well, you've, you've probably just answered the question that I didn't ask, which is if you had a thousand tradies in a room, what's one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, just do it. <laughs> I was going to say, the answer <laughs> to this is swoosh. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And- yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, okay, so I did sort of think about this a little bit. Uh, that Ooh, question preparation. Because you knew, I knew that you were going to ask it <laughs> you know, because I've heard one or two podcasts in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but join some sort of group like this. So if you're listening to this podcast and you aren't in the Tradies in Business Facebook group or, you know, Matt's group over at the site shed, you're not in any of those groups. Just join them because there is so much information out there mm. that, you know, there should, in this day and age, there shouldn't be a trade that's struggling. Hmm. You know, yeah, yeah they, you know, there's obviously economical things that, you know, can affect that and everything else. But as far as running your business, you know, there's, there's so much information out there for people to to gather and learn how to do things, even if it's just, just little things or little questions. And, you know, like you've only got to look at these groups to see that every day there's 10 new posts from different business owners in different trades. It doesn't necessarily have to be the construction trade. It can be any trade. Mm. And there's always someone that's asking something and learning something. Mm. You know, so, yeah, that's definitely a... Definitely my one thing, get onto get onto a trade group. If you're struggling, if you think that there's that you're doing it alone, because you don't have to. There is no alone. Same as anything. It's very true. We're not alone here at Tradies and Business, are we? We're, no, we're not alone. We're surrounded by lots of friends. We are. <laughs> Some nice with helicopters. <laughs> yeah. <so, laughs> yeah. <laughs> And mansions on the Gold Coast. Yeah, and mansions. Yeah, that's that's Mitch. Mitch has got the mansion. Not that's me. right. Yeah. I just you, I just have a helicopter. You just fly in to visit him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitch with his gold, gold paint garage floors. And if and if you're listening to this and you have no idea what we're talking about, take Ollie's advice and join the group Tradies and yeah. Business, and you'll get an understanding. In actual fact, I think a lot of that banter happens in the trade desk. Funnily enough, but uh, with yeah, our, our premium member site. Um, so Ollie, uh, future mate, what's, what's the future hold for you and Mrs. Ollie? Uh, I want to retire when I'm 55, Boz. So next semi-retire. week? Is that next week? Or <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the week after. <laughs> no, that, that, that gives me about 12 years was to uh, kick this business in the guts properly. And the goal is to, uh, to have my wife not have to have a full-time job working for somebody else especially mm. uh, and to sort of just kick back a little bit more have a business with great staff that can sort of run the business 
themselves and I can just sort of float in and out and have a bit more leisure time. That's pretty much my end goal. And for me, I guess, geez, we could keep going about this, but, uh, you know, this goes back to other tradies. Think about where you're going to be when you want to retire and what you're going to have. There's no point working your trade business until you're 65 and you've still got a tool belt on and then realise you've got nothing. Mm. Still, you know, because you haven't been running it right. You need to, you're not going to have super. The government's not going to give you money by that stage. So, mm. you know, you need to think now. So you've got to build your business to either make it that it will run without you so you've still got an income mm. or that, you know, some big-ass group might come along and go, hey, mate, you've got a great business. We're going to give you $3 million for it. You sell the thing and you kick back and retire, whatever. You know, so, yeah, that's that's probably our end goal. Nice. Great, mate. Yeah. yeah. So. It's been great having you on the show, Ollie. Thank you for joining us. Very interesting tale that you have. I hope you have a fantastic weekend out there in chilly, chilly town. Rastowny, yes. Scrape, scraping the ice off the uh, pop-up tent, mate. Yeah. Oh, I'm already sitting here shivering thinking about it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of coffee, no, nah, nah, we've got good sleeping bags. Minus 12, they go well. Wow. Awesome, no, awesome. I, I, I can't say I envy you, but you enjoy that. <laughs> Coxie can't even. She just can't even. <laughs> no, she can't get her head around it, right? I can see the confusion <laughs> on her face. Oh, look, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, as you turn around, turning that heater up. Yeah, yeah, yeah but with my Nana rug on my lap. Yeah, I do. Yeah, good on you. Great. <laughs> At least you got pants on. <laughs> yeah, I do. Sorry about that, Warwick. Sometimes. <laughs> So, Ollie, here's your chance, mate. Plug uh, one or both businesses. Where do people go to find out more about you guys? Right, selectmaintenance.com.au and munchiesdogtreats.com.au. So head over to both of those. You can find uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I don't have – I sort of have a YouTube channel for select maintenance, but not really. Uh, What, no how-to videos on how to hang a door, mate? No, not yet. The, you search YouTube, there's plenty of those ones. <laughs> Bunnings has produced a few. Yeah, Bunnings has produced a few. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, always, they're always great for me to go back and fix up later, those ones. I'm so, I was about to say they should come with your business card. This yeah, is your call when you can't yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we, we get plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we, we could keep going on about that forever. So. We, won't, we won't diss too much on Bunnings, just in case they sponsor the show one day. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> awesome, mate. Well, look, right, great buddy. chatting with you. Great to have you as part of our community too, Ollie. Um, always a pleasure seeing you uh, roll up to our sessions and uh, and help out some of the other trades. And I, I, I think uh, you know, blokes like yourself are a really important part of of the trades and of changing the face of the way um, young people come through in this country. Um, because uh, you know, as we've talked about with apprenticeships. It's maybe not as effective as it used to be for for various reasons, and yep. I think we need more leaders, um, basically showing the youngins uh, how to make a decent go of it. So, because uh, it can be a bloody good life as a tradie. Absolutely, oh, totally, hundred percent. Yep, for sure. You know, you can get your own chopper. So, mate, thanks for coming uh, right. on the show. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Good idea, was. Thanks, Nick. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for you in the skies. Yeah, mate. No worries at all. Have a good one. Thank you. You've been listening to the Tradies in Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. 
Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.